We promised last week that we'd be back in a week and we delivered on that promise, Joe. I'm very proud of us because we usually say a week and it just drags on for another month or two weeks, but end to end is back after another week, another episode of episode three in season four now. And uh, we got some news to talk about, not major news, but some news we could kind of dabble on. And there's some teams that involve Canadian teams and one close to Canada. And there's been some trends in the NHL through the first week of play. So the first one, I mean, right off the bat, it's about your team not looking good right now. They're 0-4 to start the year. Um, if you had to put a label on this team right now, what would it be? What would that word be? And why, why do you think they might snap out of it or not snap out of this, this losing streak? Well, the label I would put on them is just pathetic because they have three goals for in four games and 15 against. Uh, they're 0 for 13 on the power play. And the only game that they looked half decent in was opening night against Toronto where they lost 2-1. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just, it's not good right now. Um, I can't say I'm surprised. I did say right when Price went down to the assistance program that the team was basically, like, done. Like, they've lost too many key players um, that, I guess, played bigger roles than even I thought that they did. Um, I'm not even, like, mad, really. I'm just, like, annoyed of how bad they're losing. Like, they lost 5 nothing to the best in the world, Eric Carlson, mm-hmm. in the San Jose Sharks last night. They can't get any offense going. The only guy that looks half decent out of the entire squad is Drew uh, I'm not. I'm not going to be raging right now. No, you shouldn't. No. No, like, even though they're zero four, it's the start of the year. Um, and like what happened last year, all of that. I I think I realized that they sold their soul to make that cup run. And everyone around them just kind of fell to pieces. Like, even now, like, obviously, Weber is out, most likely never playing again. Price is in the assistance program. Like, Edmondson now, who's out, who actually was pretty key for them last year on defense. Uh, his dad is dealing with lung cancer right now, so he hasn't been playing. So it's like, a, and then Duran, obviously, last year with the whole uh, insomnia and anxiety issue. So, like, there's like a huge dark cloud over this team. And it's, like, all that goodwill that they did making that run, like, all came crashing down. And, like, everything that went wrong did go wrong to their key players, to their leadership group. Um, I just – I don't know what to say or do. Like, <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's something I wouldn't rage about. But it reminds me of the meme – or not even the meme, the scene in Avengers Infinity War where, like, I think Gamora, young Gamora is like, what did it cost? I guess it costed everything to run. Like, it, it really did, everything. honestly. It's looking like that right now, but I don't think this is the Habs team we'll be seeing throughout the season. Like, this is just pathetic. Like, like you said, Joe, like Buffalo and San Jose, you're really losing that bad. And like, they're, they lost that bad to both teams. That's yeah, the thing. Like, yeah. if it's 2-1, 2-0, okay, like, sure, whatever. You, you know, you get a lucky bounce there in Buffalo and San Jose, but it's not looking good. Their leading score, goal scorers are Jonathan Duran with two and Chris Weidman with one. So one That's forward has scored. Yeah, one forward has scored for the Montreal Canadiens throughout a week of play. But I don't know who they have up next, but they should be able to sort of figure this out or things are going to be coming down crash landing very soon. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think we should go to that extreme because, like, 
teams have gotten through bumps throughout the regular season. And this is just one that's started off the year, which is just looks worse. Yeah, their next opponent is actually their boy KK in the Hurricanes on Thursday. So I don't know how that's going to play out. They might get embarrassed again. Yeah, well, we better see a different Habs team in that matchup because or else we'll be, you know, looking at something very ugly in Habs town. But, I mean, Mark Bergeron came out and said he's not going to make huge changes. And I agree with him. I don't think that's the case right now. You've kind of bought into some players and made some trades throughout the offseason that aren't working through four games and you can't take four games into an 82 game season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, well, we'll see what the Habs do. I think they're going to bounce back and their goal scoring is definitely going to go up because you can't get much worse than this. No, I like, I, I can't get much worse than this. That's the only thing I could take away from, from these games. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Fully agree. So speaking of the team they lost to the Buffalo Sabres are leading the Atlantic division. I don't think I would have been able to say that ever during the year, start of the year, doesn't matter what time of the year, the Buffalo Sabres are in first place. I don't know how they're doing it. And they have a bunch of scrubs in their team. I don't know. They're actually, the thing about them is that they're actually like outplayed. They've outplayed all three of their yeah. opponents that they've played. Like they outplayed Vancouver yesterday, Montreal. And I think their second game was Dallas or something. I don't remember, but. They've outplayed all three of those teams. And they're, like you said, a team full of scrubs. And the fact that their first-line center going into this season, Casey Middlestat, is, is hurt. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how the hell the Sabres are doing it. Good for them and their fans, honestly, because the fans are expecting 0-82 with that roster. Yeah. Uh, now the worst they can be is like 3-79. and So, you know, everything's looking good. Yeah, it's progress. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't know. It's just – it's fun. Like if I'm a fan, how miserable they've been the whole Eichel situation that has not progressed whatsoever still to this day. Um, I mean, it's just a fun start for them. (laughs) Ironically, them and the San Jose Sharks, two teams who were God awful defensively last year are the two best defensive teams in the league right now. Mm -hmm. So that's just, I love looking at the first week trends. That's why we did this episode after one week to like, look at all these weird trends that are happening right now. And we'll get into a few more actually uh, in our award segment, but it's so it's funny that the Sabres are like tied for first in the Atlantic. Yeah. It's always a good sight to see the Buffalo Sabres in the division and they'll just lose 10 in a row, like the last three years they've been doing. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see what happens with the Sabres. Don't think they'll continue this, but I, I don't disagree that they're not going to play hard in the other games that they play. Like I think a team full of, you know, players who are not, you're not expecting much from, I think they're going to prove some people wrong in the terms of, working hard and kind of grinding for those losses or wins, whatever they get. So we'll keep tabs on the Sabres. I, <laughs> I could bet money. Maybe they're going to go 0 and three now in the next week. And then we'll look at each other in, uh, in like two weeks or a week and see the Sabres are three and three, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, a bad thing with the Winnipeg Jets COVID outbreak just happened yesterday. I believe some of their players were missing yesterday. And then now today it's been confirmed that a bunch of players got COVID on the team. Um, it's a strange sight to see considering they played a game not even 24 hours uh, ago. And that means that some players were carrying the positive test during play, which is a weird situation that we saw last year. And I thought that we'd be, I thought this situation would kind of be behind us, but I guess it's not. Yeah, that's the thing I, I absolutely can't stand. Obviously, like the fact that, you know, buildings are open, there's crowds again for the first time again. But this 
this goddamn virus just won't go away. And the fact that the NHL is like literally like 99% vaccinated, like, yeah. and it's still getting the outbreaks. Like, I don't know what to say. And, and even like the whole thing with like McKinnon, like the guy's like in and out of the lineup, like every game. Cause he's mm-hmm. like positive. Then he's not. And he's positive. He's not like, I don't know what the hell's going on. And the thing is like, they, they still have COVID protocol. Like, the coaches and all the training staff, they wear a mask on the bench. Like, if you look at the NFL and the – well, the NBA just started. But if you look at the NFL, there's barely been any COVID cases, at least to major players. So that's a part, like, I'm kind of, like, concerned about, like, how good are, are people actually following the protocol that the NHL has? Are the protocols good enough where that they can keep the virus away from the game? I don't know. It's just – it's really frustrating as a as just a hockey fan that this shit's still kind of lingering around the league. Yeah, I'm not even complaining about the COVID part. I think I agree with you in terms of, like, people following the protocol in place. Like, I know, like you said, the coaches wear masks still. I know in Canada, all the coaches wear masks on the bench yeah. still. Mm-hmm. And with the Jets, I know, like, obviously every NHL player, I think when they walk into the stadium or arena, they wear a mask, which is – it's helpful. But at a certain point, like, how many players are going to get COVID on a team where it's called an outbreak uh, during this season – like you said with the NFL, as soon as that happens, you forfeit the game. So I guess that means that the NFL players are following protocol uh, because yeah. it hasn't happened yet. And I guess the Jets, you know, I guess it's safe to assume they weren't. So we'll see what happens with the Jets. Um, they play their first game at home tomorrow night. I don't know the opponent, but I don't know if that might be in jeopardy or they would have to call up some players from the AHL to kind of fill out the roster. But you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to go on with this situation. We'll keep tabs in our group chats and stuff like that. But through the podcast, I don't know what we're going to see next week from the Jets. Yeah, I, I honestly have no idea. I think they do. I think they play Anaheim tomorrow at home. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens next week uh, once we get further details on this. Because I don't think it'll be a weekly or 14-day thing like it was last year. It'll be a couple days and you test negative. I think that's the ruling now. But... We'll see what goes on there. Uh, so quick news we have, just injuries, signings, suspensions, because that's been a theme so far this year, to start the year. And the biggest injury so far is Nikita Kucherov is placed on the long-term IR. Um, last year, if you're not aware, you're probably aware listening to this, he was out with the whole regular season, came back for the playoffs, and obviously was very dominant there. Same thing might even happen this year, which is incredible incredible and i don't even think anyone would have thought this happened again the same player going on long-term ir for the same team yeah this is just like so weird um like you said like he missed all of last year he had major hip surgery right before the start of the season on ltir came back for the playoffs 18 million over the cap we all know the story it's just now it's like okay i'll Look, he's placed on LTIR, so apparently that's a minimum of, of 10 games that, he, that he's not able to play in. Yep. I don't know if he's going to have surgery or not. They haven't really, like, clarified the actual injury yet or, like, if he needs surgery or not. They just kind of put him on LTIR last night mm-hmm. and then just said, like, that's minimum 10 games. So I don't know what's going to happen with Kucherov. The Lightning already lost a lot of their depth uh, in the offseason. Their whole third line is gone. So now with Kucherov, their best probably overall offensive player, I would say. Yeah. yeah. They got to find more offense here and there. They've been a little bit inconsistent right now to start the year. I mean, that's kind of normal. They had a short off season compared to other teams. 
a lot of turnover in the middle of the lineup. Obviously, lots of hockey played the last couple of yeah. years for them. So they'll figure it out. They're Tampa. Uh, just it's more of how long uh, term Kucherov is actually going to be out for that we don't know yet. Yeah, and I really hope this is not a year where the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions just fall off a cliff because the Pittsburgh Penguins didn't fall off a cliff to that extent when they won back-to-back. They just missed – they didn't get past the second round. But even players like – I think it was last year, Hornquist and Latang said we were exhausted after that run, and it takes a toll on you, and it does. And I just hope it's not one of those seasons where we saw a few years back where basically every Lightning player, every key player to the lineup was injured and they missed the playoffs – and that's how the Leafs got in. They beat them on the third last game of the year. And they were close, but Kucherov was out, Point was out, Stamkos was out. And I don't want to say it's going to happen this year, but imagine a Steven Stamkos injury, the way he's playing right now and how good he is, and he gets injured too. That's Kucherov and Stamkos gone from that offense. Like you mentioned, Joe, that third line is already gone. I don't know where this Lightning team could go without those two players. They have Vashlevsky, I get it. They have Hedman, I get it. But your offense could score, you know, they could – I don't know how much goals the offense would score without those two guys. Yeah, that that's for sure. And like, even if you think about Tampa specifically, like their situation's way more unique in the fact that they basically won two cups in like <laughs> 10 months. Like they yeah. won in September in the bubble 2020 and then won in early July of 2021. Like it was essentially like nine and a half to 10 months where they won two cups. So, I mean, it's it just really unique with them. Plus, like, they're not really the youngest team in the league anymore. Like, a lot of their guys are in their late 20s, early 30s. So, like, they're, they're obviously still a great team. They're all yeah. still in their prime. It's just more all that hockey catches up to you eventually. Yeah, clearly happened. <laughs> it clearly happened. And Kucherov, I pray he's going to be at least back for the Olympics because, you know, we want to see the best players compete on the ice for that. And, you know, Kucherov's one of the best in the world. So, Hopefully he's all right by then. He should be all right by then because they're not really saying if he needs surgery or not. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, two other guys, key guys for this lineup, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, Mark Stone, Match Pacioretty. Pacioretty's out for six weeks. Stone, I believe, they're saying it's day-to-day, two week-to-week. So I guess that really means like two weeks, three weeks for Mark Stone. So like we talked with the Lightning, two big players for them, two big players for Vegas. Yeah, that's their entire first line basically gone. Their two best players offensively for the Vegas Golden Knights. And that's a huge blow uh, because, like, they're in a – although they're in a pretty easy division, the Pacific, I think we can agree is the easiest division of the four. Uh, they still, like, they don't want to lo- lose ground over teams like, you know, Vancouver, Edmonton. I guess you can even throw, like, L.A. and San Jose in there for now. But – um, like Pacioretty, like six weeks is tough right away. And then Stone, they actually got kind of lucky because apparently he was supposed to have surgery, but they did more tests and, and he avoided the surgery. So again, that's both of them are probably going to miss, I would say combined a minimum three to four weeks, I would say. So we'll see what happens with Vegas. They, that their offensive depth is already like not the greatest. Yeah. So that just took a huge blow in my opinion. Yeah, and players are going to have to definitely step up for them to, like you said, for teams not to gain ground on them. I think it's impossible for a team like Edmonton with McDavid and Dreisaitl to not, like, outscore that Vegas Golden Knights team now. The whole team has to kind of dig down from defense to Robin Leonard, who hasn't been the best so far through the couple games Vegas has played, but we'll see how these injuries really impact uh, this team. We can switch things uh, to another Pacific uh, Division team. 
And uh, this is the guy you had in fantasy, I believe, last year it was. And, yeah, he's just becoming a – I don't even know what the word to describe him. I don't even think we could say the word on the podcast, but you know what it is. Um, you can introduce this guy because you had him. Yes, it's our boy Vander Kane of the San Jose Sharks who should be booking a plane ticket to Russia very soon because he'll be playing in the KHL at this rate. Cause I'm pretty sure no one in the NHL wants this guy around anymore. Well, he just got suspended 21 games for breaking COVID protocol. And how did he break the protocol? You might ask. He created a fake vaccine card. Was that confirmed? Yes. So he did, he is not vaccinated at all. He had the card that said it was, so that's automatic broken protocol there 21 games not to mention the fact of all the things that his estranged wife has accused him of all the gambling debts that he supposedly owes or he's bankrupt this guy's just a walking disaster and it's a shame because he's actually a good player like last Hmm. year for fantasy he was like amazing for me so like i don't know what what the hell happened to this guy like what's wrong with him like there's something serious like he needs to help like i don't know what it is but it's a, it sucks to see because he's so talented. But, like, he is just not there mentally at all. He just makes way too many stupid decisions, even on the ice, too. Like, way too many penalties. Off the ice is just a disaster. So, I don't know where this guy goes from here. But Yeah, that's the question now. Where does he go from here? Does he play in an NHL game again? Does he play in the San Jose Sharks lineup this year? But this has been a guy who's been under the spotlight for a couple of years since his Winnipeg Jets days. And you know what that money or the money to the ear thing he was doing in Vegas. Um, oh, God. Like, it just everything has gone wrong for this guy. And I'm sorry to say it, but it's his own doing. Like, it, it seems to be like people around him and people, obviously the accusations that he made, I don't think they would just throw that in the air. This guy has problems. And clearly it's been here for over 10 years now with this guy and you know i'm sure he's seen help during it but is it the help he needed i I don't know like i i can't really go into detail about this guy because it's just like i don't want to even want to talk about a person like this it's just he's not a good person clearly nobody's really liked him across the nhl is what it seemed um and like i said like the accusations being made like i don't think they'd be just thrown out there just for the sake of throwing it out there about evander kane and, um, yeah, I, I don't know if this – like, does he play another NHL game? Like, I get, we could probably do a spicy meatball again on that. Does he play another NHL game? Yeah, I'm going to say no. Like, this is like the, – the, all this stuff that's compiled is all, like, in the last couple of months. It's not like – yeah, and he had issues before all of this. <laughs> that's why I got traded from Winnipeg. That's why I got traded from Buffalo. Yep. It's just – you know what? Like, I'm pretty sure the league is just done with this guy because he makes the league look bad. Yeah, no, he does. He definitely is making the league look bad. Um, there's been rumors around the Twitter sphere. I don't know how much you take that into the count, Joe, but apparently the rumor around the block is his his contract will be um, not terminated, like seized. So, like, because he's broke, right? Like, if it, if it's terminated, the guy's done. He's on the streets. Like, <laughs> so apparently it's getting seized. And okay. what that means is he can still, I think he earns half of his paycheck or something that he gets in the end of the year. So he earns money, but he can't play another NHL game. So I, I don't know that, how much is that is true, but we'll see what happens to Vander Kane because, you know, we always say on this podcast, we'll see, we'll, we'll see for the next couple of weeks. We'll keep our tabs on that. And this is something we have to, because it's a big thing that the NHL is going to have to take on. And especially if Vander Kane's going to have to take on. 
Yeah, it, you, you nailed it right on the head there. Like, he, like, they really need to find a solution for this. And if they do seize that contract where he basically is not allowed to play another NHL game, like, that might be literally best case for Kane, not even for the league, for Kane. Because if they terminate the contract, the guy is, like, like you said, the guy is at the local Tim Hortons asking for change. So yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I've never seen anything like this in the NHL. No. I've seen it in other leagues, but not the NHL. Like, this is just something that they've never had to deal with, really. No. This first time, I think I've, I've never seen anything to this extent. Maybe the only thing close to it was Kovalchuk opting out of his contract, and that was terrible for New Jersey. But this is nothing close to that uh, situation because there's a lot of intangibles uh, intertwined with this situation. Uh, we'll get off that dark news because I don't really want to talk about that suspensions and it's the first week of of the season we know the league has stepped in about cross-checking now they're going to nail uh with officials and how they're going to nail that to the i guess the i don't even know what to call it the problem board that's what they were trying to do and crack on in this year and you know three four guys have gotten suspended and fined so dylan larkin uh got suspended for punching matthew joseph in the head we watched that live uh Gabriel Landeskog got a suspension, a two-game suspension for bolstering Kirby Docs back into the board. Uh, Pavel Vucnevich just got suspended two nights ago for headbutting an opponent. He got two games for that. And then Rasso Sanderson got fined for almost the exact same thing as uh, Vucnevich, just didn't make as much contact and as much damage as he did to his other opponent. But Anderson was fined as well. Um, is this something the league has to kind of be worried about, giving out four suspensions and... I think it's now two fines because Joe Thorne got fined last night. Is this something the league has to be worried about for the future of suspensions and um, like cracking down on stuff for the next couple of weeks until the season ends? I, I'm pretty sure they're surprised at how many they've had to give out to, or to give out already. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like especially like the headbutting. Like, what the hell are, is people's problem with headbutting? Like, basically two potential. One was almost a headbutt. The other one was Buchnevich. How do you? How the hell do you determine to headbutt someone in the NHL? Like, what? This is not boxing or MMA. Like, what the hell is this? So I don't know what's gone into these players. Like, even like the whole Larkin thing. Like, he got nailed from behind, and there was no call. That's yeah. why he reacted that way. And like, oh, already the officiating's been like all over the place, and like, the Paros is already grinding. Probably he was probably like surprised at how much he's already had to do, but. I hope there's not that many suspensions as there was this week. And, like, there's some pretty key names here. These are not, like, fourth-line grinders that are getting suspended here. These are, like, top six forwards for the most part here. And then Anderson, top four defensemen. So, I think the league wants to try to avoid this as much as possible. But the fact that they're handing out multiple game suspensions for this is kind of already indicating that they're taking these offenses seriously. Yeah, no, and that's what I kind of like. That's what I why I asked you, like, or should they be worried for the future? And I think my answer would be no, because you're already cracking down. If you already crack down, it won't happen. And if it does, it's just going to be a larger extent of games handed out to the player. So I think it's a decent thing that the NHL is doing, but the cross-checking rule has been something around the league right now that's not clear on whether it's, you know, a penalty or – like certain times in games, like I, I think it was in the Habs game versus the Rangers, I want to say, there was a cross-check and it wasn't called and it was right before, no, it was the Leafs and 
Rangers. It was a cross check right before overtime, and it wasn't called. Yep. And so, then also we forgot to mention that Fox got fined for a slash as well as part of this. That's true. So, I mean, the league's got to do what they got to do to kind of hand out this situation and hand out, like, games and fines to players. And I think it's decent what they're doing right now. Start off really harsh, I guess, if this is what you want to call it. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Speaking of Kovalchuk a few, like, minutes ago, he's been named GM of the Russian Olympic team. Don't know how he got that job, but sure. <laughs> I think it's just because he knows players from... Yeah, that's what they said. <laughs> it basically said, like, yeah, you know what? He was in the NHL, like, last year. He knows those guys. Uh, he knows the KHL. Like, he's good. He knows everything. You know what's funny? Team. Like, if, if the Russian national team, because they're not even called Team Russia, the Russian Olympic Committee um, exits out the tournament, like, the group stage, <laughs> and, that, and that tweet comes around. To be fair, I think he was captain when they won gold in 2018, so he must know uh, some of the ins and outs of Olympic hockey. So <laughs> yeah. we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. Um, some signings here because we didn't – these happened later after the episode, I think Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. Brady Kachuk finally signed, so he's back. Um, not back in the lineup, but he's back on the Sens. Seven-year, $8.2 million deal. I think you didn't really like this one, and I'm not the – massive as biggest fan of this one either but explain uh well first of all uh, he didn't get the full eight years ottawa didn't get him for full eight years and he got over eight million so that's already two things i already looked at where i'm like really this guy's <laughs> not that good like he is good don't get me wrong but he's a guy where like by the time this contract's done he'll his body will already be like on the downturn it's not like a guy that will age gracefully like his brother his brother's more skilled than him. Uh, like, and he also, like, other than just shooting a ton and hitting, he doesn't really do a lot else. Like, he's not, like, a huge – he's not great defensively. He's not, like, a great playmaker. Like, he's good. Again, don't get me wrong. Like, mm -hmm. I would take him on Montreal. They should have <laughs> taken him in hindsight. But it just – I don't know. Like, he's not the type of player that screams, like, over eight million like he's not a superstar and i don't think he will be like has, i think the like, word you're trying to use is he didn't earn it yet yeah like he like he has like all these 40 point seasons that he's had obviously last year was short and the year before but it's like like i don't the max i could see him as like a 30 30 type of player like 60 points 30 goals 30 assists or something like that so and i don't know if that's worth over eight million dollars yeah and he's also that type of forward where you can't label him as the impact forward, but you can also la label him as the impact forward in terms of hitting and getting under your skin. And that's the impact he'll make. The impact he won't make is turning the game right to him, taking over the game, skilling the way to goals, scoring goals. I think the other impact is hitting, getting under your skin, and sort of that thing, being a pest on the ice and impact the game that way. So if I'm going to pay a guy $8.2 million, $8 million to do that, I'm going to probably pay him less than four or three million to do that. But Brady Kachuk is a very good hockey player and the ceiling like guys didn't reach a ceiling yet, I think. So, I mean, there's always room to grow. Maybe we look stupid and just, you know, he's going to look even better after this contract, but once he's in the Ottawa lineup, they're a better team. And I think that's what the Ottawa centers wanted to do. And one, obviously he wanted to do as well. So uh, future captain, I don't know if he might be, Maybe he is with that seven-year deal. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see what happens with Brady Kachuk. Uh, two defenseman signings. I like one. I don't like the other. Ryan Pulak signs an eight-year, $6.1 million deal with the Islanders. 
Matthias Ekholm gets a four-year deal, $6.2 million with Nashville. Uh, the better deal is Joe. Definitely Pollock. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even a debate. Like, Pollock's younger. Obviously, he got eight more years. Still just a hair under Ekholm, and he's in his prime right now. This will take him till his mid-30s, which is, like, roughly what you want from a guy like Pollock. He's a first-pairing shutdown defenseman. Ekholm, who still has this year left, so it doesn't start till next year, same with Pollock, <laughs> is going to be 32 when this kicks in. And Nashville's a team where they should be blowing up the organization, but instead they're just retaining random players like Ekholm, who's, again, a very good top four. But do they really need him? Do you think they could have got better if they flipped him at the deadline for a first and some other prospects potentially? They do have two eight-year deals, $8 million, weighing down their team that are awful. Johansson and Duchesne, we've talked about them way too much on this podcast. Yeah. But I don't understand how Ekholm got this, considering they were literally going to trade him like last offseason or like last trade deadline. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with Poyle. Like the guy, I don't know why he's still there either. So. Yeah, well, he clearly thinks that they have enough to kind of make the playoffs this year, and that's what he indicates in the signing, like, you're not signing a guy that's in his mid-30s to a four-year deal worth six-plus million dollars to rebuild. Like, that, that's not what you're doing. And I think, like, I think that's where they're headed. They're a rebuilding team, like a retooling at least. And this deal doesn't really help them. But with Pulak, I don't, I don't know if I love the eight years in terms of the way he plays the game because he's not a, like Brady Kachuk, he's not a, like, game-changing defenseman. But he's also not making game-changing defenseman money either, which is the good thing. $6 million I could bear with. He's that type of guy, like you said, he could shut down and him and Pellock on a defensive unit. Making basically the same amount of money is pretty darn good. So, I mean, the Islanders are obviously in win-now mode. They're going to need him for the future. Ekholm, don't know what they saw in that signing, the National Predators. I know what Ekholm saw. He saw money. And that's what he took. So, <laughs> yeah. So those exactly. two defensive signings are out of the way. I don't know if anyone else needs to be signed. I don't know the free agents coming up that are massive because that usually is talked around like January, February. But we could take a quick look at who might be out the door for some teams or who might be re-signed because we don't know where their teams are going to be in certain positions. We could take a quick look now. It's just, just showing the UFAs from this year. And, you know, Patty Marlowe's still out there. Tuka Rass still out there. Mm-hmm. Eric Stahl still out there. I mean, those are guys who can – even Devin Dumnik's like not a bad backup if someone goes down. Um, these are guys who are obviously veterans in the league. They could probably see like a one-year deal worth something in like December if people start to get injured and they need some cap space. Move up and down from the lineup, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. All right, so that is all the news we have to talk about unless something pops up in between now and the end of the episode, but – the award segment for end to end is back, man. I'm fired up to get back in these. So if you guys forgotten, the hard hat award, award to the best player in the NHL the past week of play, the golden plunger given to the biggest underperformer of the, of the week, team or player. And we could go organization-wise or player-wise. We could go whatever route we want. What you say, Jason Derulo is back. Funniest quote from the week or from either player, coach, or management. We've got a good one this week. It's pretty good. I like it. Battle of the Buds, obviously, is back. Joe Spice, Spice Meatball and Hot Take. So, we'll get into the first one. Hard Hat Award, you go first. All right, so we were just talking about this guy a little bit earlier on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that is their captain, Steven Samkos, who had seven points this week, three goals, four assists, three power play points, and one game winner. 
the thing with Stamkos that will always kind of monitor is his health. He's always so good when he plays, but that's the problem. He's never always available. So he's gone off to a red-hot start, um, especially with, with Kucherov going down. He has to stay healthy for the Tampa to kind of maintain pace in the, in the crowded Atlantic division. So he's got off to a great start, like I said. So I'm going to pick him for my first hard hat award winner of the season. Yeah, that's a good pick. And, I mean, it, it sucks because Stamkos always has, like, a very rocket heart, like, like hot start. And then he just gets injured. Like, he doesn't even fall off. He just gets injured. And that's how, you know, yeah. downfall happens with there. But I'm going to go to L.A. And I'm going to go with Anze Kopitar, the captain of their team. Five goals, three assists, eight points, three power play points, a hat trick in his first game of the season versus Vegas. I mean, this guy, he's just gotten better and better and better. I mean, talk about a ally face like you for an organization. You talk about Anze Kopitar in that sentence now. I mean, he's been that good for the Kings the last couple of years. They're obviously going to need him to meet some people's expectations on Twitter. And I think you might have put them in the playoffs too, or I think that was Russo or Tom, but like Anze Kopitar is going to be have, going to be have to be that guy to lead this Kings team in the playoffs if they want success. So he's been doing it thus far. I don't know how long he can t- keep this up, but Anze Kopitar, Steven Stamkos, two captains in the league that I've gotten the hard hat award in our segment. Yeah, those are great. And, and going back to your point about LA in the playoffs, I did have them in the wild card. And the reason I said that is because when they signed to know, I said that they would give Dino all the defensive assignments and then Kopitar would flourish offensively. <laughs> it's and clearly happening. Whole, that's what's <laughs> happened so far. <laughs> so you're not wrong. You, don't, you didn't miss right there, eh? No misses, except one in my group. In the group chats, I miss every time, but on the podcast, I hit it. Hey, that's where it matters. I mean, like, you know, we'll put some clips out there, maybe, hopefully, and it gets out to the world, and they'll see how smart we are. Oh, yeah. And, well, this segment's not so smart because it kind of bashes either teams or players. So, I would like to flush the first toilet of the season for the Golden Plunger. So, up first in our segment this first week of the year, we have two goaltenders, and they are definitely deserving of these two of this award. I'll go first. Marc-Andre Fleury, the new acquisition for the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe you did have the Chicago Blackhawks in the wildcard position. And, yeah, they could still get there. There's... Still 77 games for them, I think, left, or 78 games left in the year for them. There's no doubt about that. But he's had a rotten start. Zero wins, 0.840 save percentage, 5.63 goals against average, and 12 goals against in three games. Um, like like people like to say, like we talked about in our group chat this morning, like you look at the goals that are, he's letting in, it is breakdown after breakdown after breakdown from the Chicago D that was said to be upgraded. And, you know, clearly for the first couple of games, it hasn't been that. But sure, Marc-Andre Fleury would probably say to himself, like, he wants a couple goals back. But it, it stems from the defense and obviously the offense, obviously not scoring as well. Just Marc-Andre Fleury, man, I thought, it, I thought he was going to start better than this. I know. Like, like the guy is like the reigning Vesna Award winner. Like he said, Chicago allegedly upgraded their defense in terms of name value by adding Seth Jones, Jake McCabe, Caleb Jones. You think getting rid of a 38-year-old Duncan Keith would make your defense better, but I guess not. So, uh, with Chicago, like, the problem with them is I think I really don't like their coach at all. I think he holds the team back 
ever, ever since he's been there, I don't know why he's still there. Ever since he's been there, they've been horrible defensively. Not just for, like, defensemen, but, like, even their system is, like, not good. Like, like you said, like, all the highlights of the goals, like, even, I was watching the Islanders' highlights. All, like, two-on-ones or, like, a, <laughs> a missed assignment, guys wide open in the slot. Like, like of course, Flurry should have maybe a couple of them. Yeah. But the defense is not doing him any favors. And, like, this has been an issue with Chicago for the last couple of years now. And I and even though they keep changing personnel, especially this year on the back end and in net, like they keep their defense is always still so bad. So, um, so going to my to my plunger award winner, I was gonna put Montreal, but like I said, I'm not surprised that they're struggling. Again, I didn't think they're gonna be this bad. I thought they were gonna be have one win at this point based on just their schedule alone. So I was going to put them, but then looking at Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets, who's been awful as well, same like Fleury. He's 0-2-1, 4.66 goals against and an 8.56 save percentage. So the goals against isn't terrible, but last night versus the Wild, like he kind of like fell apart and that goal in overtime was not very good either. He kind of like didn't even push off to the other post and just gave up halfway through, so... Uh, again, that's not all on Hellebuck Jets defensively, even though similar to Chicago, added a bunch of names to offseason, mm-hmm. Dylan and Schmidt to reduce the role of Morrissey and Pionk. Um, and they're still, they let in six goals yesterday. Again, it's early in the season. Teams sometimes need to adjust to the system uh, and just getting the timing right and all of that, especially because they play so much preseason games where guys are going, sometimes going half speed just ramp it up kind of like immediately take some time for some mm-hmm. teams. So I, both of these goalies, I think <laughs> we'll figure it out. I think it's safe to say that, uh, yeah. but it, two disappointing starts for sure. It, I'm like, when you were talking about Hollabuck, like I just realized like this guy hasn't really played a good hockey game since the Edmonton series and the Winnipeg Jets, I could throw in there too. Cause they got swept for the Montreal Canadiens. So they haven't won in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like <laughs> that's true. It's obviously like it's obviously they're they're not going to continue this. Like they're definitely a better team than this. But you know, I, you don't have to worry just as yeah. You don't have to press the panic button either. But it's just like when you actually really think about it, like they haven't won in like a long time. So that's something they really need to do. But I don't know how much they're going to do it if they are going to miss players with COVID. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, All right. So that was the golden plunger. You can introduce the new, uh, not new segment, because we do it every year, but you can introduce the segment that we always like to do. Let's bring our man Jason in here. What do you say, Jason? What you say? Oh, yeah, baby. We're back in business. So for this first week of NHL season, sometimes we don't always get the greatest sound bites because, nope. you know, things are just kicking off. There's not too much animosity yet, but there actually was some animosity between the Detroit Red Wings and the Vancouver Canucks. As uh, apparently Connor Garland did a, a pretty cheap shot hit on uh, Zadina. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see the hit. I don't really know the whole context of it. But here is Zadina post game after that play. Just uh, went and chased the puck and I uh, was reaching for the puck. And he just, uh, I don't know, reverse hit me, I guess. And, and uh, I mean, you know, like the midget, like he is, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty. Like, I mean, normal, you know, that he's uh, reverse hit because I don't think he's that strong enough to just uh, battle me in a corner, like, one-on-one. And he just did, like, uh, 
that stupid hit, but uh, it is what it is. Probably how the person uh, he is. So what are your thoughts on that, Thomas? Yeah, no, I thought you saw the hit, but um, what are my thoughts on that? This is, you know, comment. Like, I, I, I really like it. Like, obviously that European experience where you can't fully speak the whole language, I guess that kind of goes into there. So that's kind of like warping through your mind as in Philip Sedina, just putting words out there. But I kind of, I like it. I like that personality that he's showing. Um, the hit was very unnecessary on Connor Garland. Uh, it was, it was like a half reverse hit, half like actual hit. Zadina was leaning obviously with a stick and he was very vulnerable in his tough spot. And then obviously Garland popped him, but it was a very unnecessary hit. And calling him a midget, I think it's fair to say that because on his hockey, or not even hockey TV page, NHL.com page, it says he's 5'10". He is he no, he's yeah. not even close to 5'9". Like, he is like 5'7", if that. He is yeah. definitely like shorter than me, I would say. Or like my height, which is not saying much. Yeah, and you were definitely right because the first couple of weeks we really struggled in this segment to get things out. And we got like one thing out first week of the season, which showed a lot of like, I guess, personality. But is that something you think should be continued in the NHL where we see this personality come out? Yes, a thousand percent. Yeah. I think anyone would pay. I think people would pay to see personality come out, to be honest. Yeah, especially with good players. Like it's always like the, like, okay, not always, but like, it's like guys like the Ryan Reeves, like the guy's like a grinder. He's like, (laughs) a great personality for the league, but imagine like his personality on like McDavid or something. Oh man. That, that'd be like impossible to fathom just looking at both of them side by side, but like, like stuff like that, like, like Matthews is great at that. Now, now that ESPN and, and TNT have the, the rights for NHL games there, I think that they're going to show off more of those guys with the personality, like, like, Ovi, like Matthews, you know, Pasternak as well. Like those guys that that have actual personality, they'll show them off to a broader audience, and then it'll it'll grow the game. So like comments like this from Zadina kind of play into that. So I like that. Yeah, and like obviously, I don't I don't think I think the NHL would be lying if they said they don't like these sort of clips going viral. And I think there are going to be a lot of YouTube clips. A lot of people online are going to see it, no matter what sport it is, because we always like to see like uh, those, I don't know what it's called, but sound, sound bites, sound bites on like yeah. players. So I think that people would like to see that. But as you said, Joe, ASPN and TNT are doing a fabulous job right now of doing that sort of thing. But it, I've always said this, it stems from the question asked from the media. If you're going to ask a ger- generic question, uh, question you're gonna see you're gonna receive a generic answer like yeah we played 100 percent. we did this we did that xyz like you're gonna see that every time if you ask a good, good question you're gonna get a good answer that's what i would always thought but yeah that's like like you said that's good journalism so that's good that you called that out so like maybe they maybe the journalists that cover like the red wings they know that zadina's like that so like them maybe asking that question they knew they would get some sort of like you know, emotional response from that too. Exactly. And that's something we like to see. I like to see you like to see every NHL fan likes to see some personality throughout the league. So this is already the start. Hopefully we even grow from here. Yeah. Next segment, Battle of the Buds. We're in full throttle with these awards, man. We got to get through all these. So first week of the season, I went two and one. You also went two and one. You got an embarrassing game wrong. I got an embarrassing game wrong as well. So two and one in the season for both of us. We go into this week's upcoming picks. So I'll start us off. 
Um, slam dunk to start the week. Oilers at Coyotes, October 21st. If that's not a slam dunk, I'll be really mad. Second one, I have the Canucks visiting the Kraken in their first ever game at Climage Pledge Arena on October 23rd. I have the Kraken in that one, winning them home opener uh, there. Then I have the Lightning going into Buffalo on October 25th. Hopefully another layup, slam dunk, whatever you want to call it. I got those three games. What do you got through the upcoming schedule this week? I actually picked some different ones, some sneaky ones that are a bit more coin flip. Like if, if you, if whoever's been listening last year would know, like sometimes I don't pick the obvious slam dunks. So like this week I have Capitals at Devils. That might be a slam dunk, but New Jersey's pretty, looks like they're pretty good this year, but who knows if Jack Hughes is going to play in that game. Uh, so I have the Capitals winning in Detroit. I mean, in New Jersey, then this is the 50, 50. I was talking about Rangers at Predators. So I have the Rangers winning that one. Again, the Rangers, they, their record suggests that they are good, but their play would suggest otherwise. They got dominated on Monday against the Leafs, won in overtime. They also got outplayed by Montreal, who's 0-4. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, their record might be a little bit inflated right now, but I'll still pick them over the Predators. And then the Kings and Stars is another coin flip, but I'll have the Stars winning this one at home. I think this is their home opener, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, you you definitely made some 50-50 choices. I did some two slam dunks that should be slam dunks, but we'll see what happens during the year. Do you have a spicy meatball to start week one of the NHL season or a hot take you want to get out there, or what are we doing here? All right, so this is over-exaggerated, but it's something I low-key want it to happen. And that Montreal bottoms out this year and gets first overall. Yeah, I'm going to go with no, that does not happen. There is way worse shaped teams right now. I know the standings don't really reflect what we're seeing, but I think there's at least, like even if Montreal weren't making the playoffs, which I have, I don't have them make the playoffs. I think there's still like 10 worse teams in them in the NHL, like or maybe eight or 10. Yeah, in that range. Like Montreal, obviously bad start, but Soon enough, they got to figure it out and score. Like, Cole Caulfield can't be off the board for another a game. Come on now. Like, this is like the front runner for the rookie of the year, Calder Trophy, man. Like, he cannot be pointless and scoreless through four games, but he is. Yeah, and it, I am shocked. Uh, like, I'm surprised, but, like, not shocked, if that makes sense. Like, again, when Price went into the assistance program, I knew, like, I'm like, okay, there's something, like, seriously wrong right now, like, with the team. Like, like all of their leaders from last year are basically, like, not there or, like, are not really there. Even, like, veterans like Perry, uh, Stahl, even though he wasn't great, like, he's a veteran. Like, I think it's not even that the team's, like, young, per se, but it's, like, guys who are, like, established and, like, have that – have like that presence like a Weber like a Price Perry Stahl yep and then like you have like guys like Deneau and Tatar who played big roles with Gallagher like that was kind of like their shutdown line in the playoffs um and like Edmondson not being there right now going through some tough stuff like it's just like there seems like a dark cloud over the organization (laughs) and then you have like Bergevin who's who's unexpired contract so no idea what's going to happen there if they're going to extend him, if he's going to walk away, no one really knows what's going to happen. So it's just like a lot of bad things like going on all at once when everything was going so well for them just a few months ago. Yeah. And I, I might've mentioned it on this podcast. It might've been this podcast. 
that there is a like if you really think about it, there's a bunch of new players on this Montreal Canadiens team. Yeah. But who's gonna take the reins here? Like like you said, there's no leader where you can fall back on like Price, like Shea Weber. Like Philip Deneau's been there for a bunch of years. He's not there anymore. Like there's no like there's no one at the moment where I could specify and see and like call him that is the leader. The, the Nick Suzuki's probably the closest thing as of right now. Tyler Toffoli's there too. And Jeff Petrie obviously there as the assistant captain, but there's just like a couple guys where I can't like I'm saying like you gotta step up, man. Like you gotta be the best player on this team right now. Yeah, even Gallagher's been there for his whole career. Uh, he's worn a, a I think for like five or six years now. So he would be, I would say he's the closest there to like a captain. If anything. he's probably the next captain, to be honest. Yeah, he probably was, but now it's like I don't even know who it's gonna be because clearly the leadership is not there right now for this team. Um, it just, it's a mess right now. It's like every, like I said, everything that, that bad that could happen has gone bad for them since they lost in the final. Even as soon as they lost, Weber crying on the ice because the team knew that he couldn't play anymore. That was immediately after they lost. So yeah. like the second they lost, it's been like downhill. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll, they'll shunt out of this little stretched losing streak they have right now, but it's just how long is this losing streak going to start? Like maybe they get one wing and then they go on back on it. Like we don't know yet, but yeah. I don't think it's going to be, I think this is going to be the lowest point of the Montreal season right now, if they can't get out of it. So I think that's a good thing to start off the year really bad. And then during the year, it's kind of kind of fizzle out, but we'll see what happens with the Montreal Canadians moving forward. Yeah. That is it for this episode, episode three of season four. Don't know if you have any last minute words, but I mean, if you do go ahead. Uh, just keep uh, listening into our content. We'll have a, uh, we'll have some work, you know, we'll keep producing throughout the entire season. We're both happy that hockey's back. Um, and just keep on listening. We love making this podcast. Uh, we love talking hockey. So we just keep on listening. Yep. That, that's basically the same amount of words I would have put to my mouth to end the episode. So we, like we promised last week, we're, we're going to be back in a week, but when will an end to end be back, Joe? Next week. Join us then. Woo!